Everyone is listening in by radio, telephone, or internet. Good morning. Hare Krishna. Once again, this is Rupanogadas coming to speak with you a little bit. And I thank you very much, all of you, for joining us this morning in the midst of all of your other duties and activities. We're honored to have Mother Devaki with us today. How long will you be here? Yes. Only only one week. First time for being here for her, and she's only staying with us a week. I think we should complain. Thank you very much for coming and being with us. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopijana Vallabha Girivaradhari Jaya Gopijana Vallabha Girivaradhari Yashuranandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashuranandana Brajajana Ranjana Yamuna Tira Vanachari Jamunachira Bandachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kundabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Nitai Gora Premananda Hari Hari Bo Jayom Vishnupada Bhadamahangsa Parivijaka Charja Hasto Tadasata Sri Srimada's Divine Grace Abhayatanada Vindabhaktivinata Swami Maharashi La Prabhupada Ki Jayom Vishnu Pada Paramahangsa Paribhijaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimada's Divine Grace Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Ananta Koti Vaishnavarinda Ki Iskan BBT Founder Acharya Srila Prabhupada Ki Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Shri Rup Shri Sanatan Bhattu Raghunath Shri Jeeva Gopal Bhattu Dasa Raghunath Sat Goswami Prabhu Ki Namachar Shri Lahari Das Takura Ki 
प्रेम जे कहो श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री द्वैत गदाधर श्री वासरी गौर भक्त वृंद की श्री श्री राधा कृष्ण गोप गोपीनाथ श्यामकुन राधाकुन गिर गोविदान की श्री वृंदावन राम की श्री मथुरा राम की श्री मायपुर नाबदी धाम की श्री जगन्नाथपुरी धाम की श्री श्री राधा कलचंद्र धाम की गंगा देवी की जमुना माई की तुलसी देवी की भक्ति देवी की समवेद भक्त वृंद की Briyat Madanga Transcendental Book and Prasadam Distribution Ki Nitai Gora Premananda Hari Hari Bo All Glories to the Assembled Devotees All Glories to the Assembled Devotees All Glories to the Assembled Devotees All Glories All Glories All Glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pastaya Bhutale Shamati Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namade Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gaurabhati Pachani Nivasesha Shinabari Pashati Deshtami Shakti Kupal Would you bring me that file folder please? Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Thank you for Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanurottamam Devim Saraswatim Yasam Tato Jayam Udirayat Nasta Preshwabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yottama Shloke Bhakti Bhavati Naistiki We're continuing our reading in the Srimad Bhagavatam 12th canto, 12th and final canto, and we're in chapter 7 still reading, and today we're going to be covering verses 19 through 21. 19 through 21. So those of you who are, who are at home and have your Srimad Bhagavatams close at hand, uh, please take out this copy of the 12th Canto and, and read along with us. In the newer version of the, of the printing, I, I think this is the newer version. Uh, so we're, we'll begin on page 199 with text number 19. And text number 19 is on the board. Okay. Uh, let's do a word-for-word recitation of the verse in the Sanskrit. Vyati rekhan vayo Yasya Jagrat Swapna Sushup Tishu it's a funny, it's a funny sounding word, isn't it? Shushuptishu, Maya, Mayeshu, Tad, Brahma, Jiva, Vritish. Uh, I guess that's. Let's see how is it pronounced as a single word. Shritish. 
It's actually pronounced uh, in single words as Jiva Vriti Shu Apashraya. Okay, now we'll do it as poetry. Vyatiri Kanvayo Yasya Jagrat Swapna Sushuptishu Maya Mayesha Tad Brahma Jiva Vriteshvapashraya You notice in that last line, uh, Jiva Vriteshvapashraya, that, uh, that you at the end of Vriteshu, Vri, oh, sorry, Vriteshu, becomes Vriteshvapashraya. It's in other words, combined with the first syllable of the next word. It is, it is, it, um, Vriteshvap, yeah, it's a V. Sometimes the V is pronounced as a W, and I fall into that habit. But I think properly it's supposed to be pronounced as a V. So, Jiva Vritishvaparashraya. Okay? Is that right? I'm not, I'm not a scholar, scholar in Sanskrit. I, I'm just having to play it as I go. So, let's go. Word-for-word translations. Vyatireka. Uh, the presence as separate. Anvaya, and as conjoint. Yasya, of which, Jagrat, within waking consciousness. Swapna, sleep. Sushuptishu, and deep sleep. Maya Mayeshu, within the products of the illusory energy. Tat, that, Brahma, the absolute truth, Jiva Vritishu, within the functions of the living entities, Apashraya, the unique shelter. Translation by the disciples of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai. Translation, the, the supreme absolute truth is present throughout all the stages of awareness, which are waking consciousness, sleep, and deep sleep. Throughout all the phenomena manifested by the illusory energy and within the functions of all living entities. And he also exists separate from all of these. Thus situated in his own transcendence, he is the ultimate and unique shelter Ashraya. And uh, text number 20, I'll read the Sanskrit, I'll read the translation and the purport. And even though twenty has a, uh, text 20 has a purport, I'm going to proceed on to 21 as well, which also has a purport. So this is text 20. Padarteshu yatadravyam sanmatram rupanamasu Bijadi panchatantasyu 
Yavatasu Yutayutam. Translation by the disciples of Srila Prabhupada. Although a material object may assume different forms and names, its essential ingredient is always present as the basis of its existence. Similarly, both conjointly and separately, the supreme absolute truth is always present within the created material body throughout its phases of existence, beginning with conception and ending with death. So that means he is present, the supreme absolute truth, Sri Krishna, is always present in the form of which Vishnu? Which one? Who's saying? Who is speaking? I, you're speaking. Thank you very much. Yes, that's exactly right. He's known as Super Soul. This is for those who are listening in. The answer, correct answer, given is Shirodakshayi Vishnu, the one who comes into this particular universe and lies down on the ocean of milk on the island called Swetadweep. There is a distant place called Swetadweep. Remember that song, Mangalananda Prabhu? Beautiful song. Has anybody heard that song? Yeah, Mother Kunti has heard it, yeah. So, Chirudakshayi uh, Vishnu means that uh, Lord Vishnu, or Krishna in his expansion as Lord Vishnu, then is residing within the hearts of all living entities. Whatever kind of body the living entity assumes and when coming into this universe, Lord Krishna, in the form of Mahavishnu, not Mahavishnu, but Chirudakshayi Vishnu, who is Mahavishnu? What's another name for him? Karuna Dakashayi. Pardon? It's, it's Karuna, Karuna, the one who lies down on the, in the causal ocean. And then the third Vishnu form is Garbhadakshayi Garba Vishnu. I, not the third in the in the in the sequence of appearing, but the third one that we're talking about now. So uh, Mahavishnu or Karuna Nashai Vishnu. Sometimes Prabhupada says Karuna Nashai Vishnu. Sometimes he says Karuna Dakashai Vishnu. And then there's Garba Dakashai Vishnu, who uh, who enters uh, into the creation um, and lies down on the Garba Ocean. And then there's Shirodakshayi Vishnu who, who goes and lies down on the ocean uh, in the place called Svetadweep. And that Shirodakshayi Vishnu, then it is said, is the uh, form of super soul within the heart. Uh, what's another name for a super soul? I'm not getting the first part of the word. And so, all right, that's one. What's another? It's the name of one of our devotees who's come within the past couple of years to live with us in Dallas. Antaryami. Mother, we have a mother, Antaryami, David Asi, with us here. Disciple of His Holiness, Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj. Okay, well, we got off the point here, didn't we? But that's okay. Uh, so the the purport to this text number 20, I'll read that. And this is also by the disciples of His Divine Grace. 
moist clay can be molded into various shapes and named water pot, flower pot, or storage pot. Despite the various names and forms, the essential ingredient, earth, is constantly present. Similarly, the Supreme Lord is present throughout a material body's stages of bodily existence. Um, the Lord is identical with material nature, being its ultimate generating source. At the same time, the unique supreme being exists separately, aloof in his own abode. Pretty powerful. In other words, he controls, he, he provides all the ingredients and provides uh, uh, all the control of, of all those ingredients in each universe. And it said there are unlimited numbers of universes, and each one of those universes contains unlimited numbers of living entities. And so he's running the whole show. And at the same time, he's not even there, in, in, so to speak, in the spirit and the material world. But he's having fun playing with the cowherd boys and cowherd girls along the banks of the Jumuna and go and go local, Brindavan, in the spiritual world. So that's that's the power of this person. So and and so the first nine cantos then of the Srimad Bhagavatam are dedicated to helping the uh, the neophyte and and also the advanced souls uh, enjoy the reading of of uh, the the different activities and the different expansions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And it's necessary to have that basis before one enters into the tenth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in which the very intimate uh, activities of Krishna and his associates are are no longer so much intimate anymore. They're expanded for the whole world to see. This is the difference between Krishna's loving affairs with the spirit souls who take their bodies in, in Goloka Vrindavan, who, in other words, who are there in their spiritual bodies in Goloka Vrindavan. Uh, but uh, Krishna is there having very loving, very intimate relationships with the, with the young girls of Goloka. But um, he's different from us. You know, if when a man wants to have an intimate relationship with a woman in this material world, then everything is hidden. You know, they go into a, a secluded place because they don't want to share their activity. Krishna, on the other hand, is showing his most intimate pastimes for the whole world to know about. He wants us to know about it. But he doesn't want those who are not prepared to read through the first nine cantos to learn that this is God we're speaking of here. This is not an ordinary lusty boy who is going out in the middle of the night having uh, uh, loving affairs with other people's wives. No. So you have to know who this person is. And so that's the reason then that Krishna is, is, has empowered uh, Srila Vyasadeva to present this Veda to us, uh, which allows it, and this, uh, and this, uh, um, um, uh, what do we say? The, um, anyhow, the words escape me right now. Purana, it, the Purana. So this is the Bhagavat Purana that, uh, Srila Vyasadeva has given us, uh, at the uh, advice and insistence of his spiritual master. And who is his spiritual master of Srila Vyasadeva? 
who was the one that told him the reason you're dissatisfied is that even though you divided the Vedas into four sections and you've grouped all the verses appropriate to each one of those sections, the Sama, the Rig, the Yajur, you know, like that, uh, uh, even though you've done all that, which is a Herculean task, no ordinary person can do that. But because you have done that and you're still dissatisfied, then I'm going to recommend to you that you write another uh, Purana, uh, which which is really the um, the the uh, encapsulation of all of the rest of the Vedas in this one Purana, because it talks about practically nothing but the supreme personality of Godhead and those who are participating in His activities. And uh, so, who is Srila Vyasadeva's spiritual master? Sri Narada Muni, Mother Kunti said. It's exactly right. So, Narada Muni, of course, uh, he appears in his, in his form as Narada Muni in, the, in, in Krishna pastime, Krishna Leela. And in Goranga Leela, he appears as whom? Which of the Panchatattva is Narada Muni? No, that's that's Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu is identical with the way to Acharya, so I understand. So who is it? The very the far one on the farthest right of the Panchatattva, Srivas. So Narada Muni is is identical with Srivas uh, Pandit. Okay, let's go on. Text number twenty one. Virameta yada chitam hitva vriti triam swayam yogena vatadatmanam vede haya nivartate. Translation by the disciples of his divine grace. Either automatically or because of one's regulated spiritual practice, one's mind may stop functioning on the material platform of waking consciousness, sleep, and deep sleep. Then one understands the supreme soul and withdraws from material endeavor. That sounds like uh, devotees in general, doesn't it? In trying to withdraw from material endeavor. Those of, those of us who have been around for a while, we see the futility of trying to find pleasure in, in the material endeavor. So that, therefore we tend to uh, try to withdraw from it. Now the purport to this text number 21 by the disciples of Srila Prabhupada as stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam, 3rd Canto, 25th chapter, Jaratyasu Yakosham Nigimam Analo Yata. Bhakti, devotional service, dissolves the subtle body of the living entity without separate endeavor, just as fire in the stomach digests all that we eat. That's the that's the uh, translation to that verse, and the purport, purport is: <coughs> the subtle material body is inclined to exploit nature through sex, greed, false pride, and madness. Loving service to the Lord, however, dissolves the stubborn false ego and lifts one to pure blissful consciousness, Krishna consciousness, the sublime perfection of existence. And that's the end of the purport to text number 21. 
Omagyana Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakchurun Militam Jena Tasma Shri Gurave Nama Shri Chaitanya Maravishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakada Maya Dadati Swavarantikam Vandeham Shri Gurao Shri Dutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavam Shri Rupam Sagvatattam Sahakana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Padijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahakana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitam Scha He Krishna Karuna Sundo Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakan Chana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavadeshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpatarubhischa Kripasindubhyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnabhyo Namo Nama Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunitanda Shri Advaita Karadhara Shivasari Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Nama Om Vishnu Badaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale, Srimate Tamal Krishna Goswaminiti Namane. So, you know, sometimes um, in preparing to give a, a class, a discourse on the Srimad Bhagavatam, I find myself having to struggle to find, to go into the text, to go into the purport and find something that I feel that we should speak about, speak a little bit more about. In other words, uh, the purport on the purport. So this morning, I thought we would we'd look at this idea, the idea of overcoming the control of Krishna's material energy. It's said that we, the living entities, are part parcel of the Supreme Lord and that we're superior to Krishna's material energy, we being part of the marginal energy of the Lord. And it's said that we're actually spiritual energy, but we're considered to be marginal because in the face of a tsunami or a hurricane or a tornado, uh, we're, we're, we're completely at the mercy of the material energy of the Lord. There's no way for us to overcome it. So it, this seems to be kind of uh, contradictory then to say that we can overthrow, uh, overcome the control of Krishna's material energy. So we, we've talked about the fact that Krishna's present within each body, and yet he's playing in his own abode. So he's controlling the actions of every body, every single material body, and for what purpose? For giving pleasure to the jiva, the jiva that is within that body. But along with that pleasure, there comes some uh, reactions uh, to reactions to things that we've done in the past. And that's, that's what we call karma. And so Krishna is then, he's keeping up with all of our reactions from the past. And he's also witnessing our desire to have pleasure in our present bodies, whatever that body happens to be, whether it's a grub worm or a bird or a tree or a mammoth or, or a dinosaur. Whatever the kind of body is, 
Krishna is always trying to help us know. He's always providing, <coughs> pardon me, he's providing the means for us to enjoy in that body. But he's also giving us little bits and pieces of that karmic reaction that we, we're due. And that's the reason that we have to suffer. And uh, Sam, you might be interested in this, that it is not us, uh, it is not Krishna who is causing us to suffer. Right? You remember, you've heard that before, right? So it, are you with me? So it is not Krishna who is causing us to suffer, but it's simply Krishna who is providing the reactions that we have coming from our previous lives. Everybody got that? That's a little bit of a hard one to swallow, isn't it? But it's even harder for someone who has no idea what this philosophy is about. And so it's very beneficial then to, to give this point, this particular point, to other people so that they will no, no longer be so bewildered that they're having to suffer when they, when they can't see that they have ever done anything wrong. Even though they, as I was, they have been a, 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 an eater of flesh of other creatures most of their lives, as I was at one time. So... Uh, even though a person might be meek and and very peaceful and happy and and friendly, still if that if that person indulges in the eating of the flesh of other creatures, then we know that there are heavy duty reactions that come to that kind of activity, particularly the eating of the flesh of the cow. So. Um, uh, if, if while Krishna is sitting within these bodies of each of us, he is also in, in another, in his original form, he is playing with the coward boys and the coward dams of Goloka uh, in, in that beautiful place in the spiritual sky that Jim, the topmost planet or Loka in the spiritual sky, Goloka Vrindavan. He directs the jiva's activities through the mind and false ego. Now, the jiva is also sitting in this same body. <coughs> but the jiva is not the one who is empowering the body. This is Krishna's material energy. The body is Krishna's material energy, and it comes from the dirt. So these bodies that we have are composed of ingredients that come from the, from the, from the earth, from the water, from the atmosphere, right? And they also uh, have fire in them, which we can see that if, 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 you're, if you happen to be unfortunate enough to be in a, in a fire, a house fire, a building fire, a car fire, some other kind of fire, and you're, you can't get out, then your body will burn and it will give off more heat than was used to ignite the body. So that's, uh, what do we call that? That's an exothermic reaction. It starts out as an endothermic reaction when the body begins to burn, but then it begins to give off more heat than it took to ignite it. Just like we can say in a, in a match, there is a certain amount of, of energy from the sun. And that fire then lights a candle. And once that candle is lighted, then that candle can give off a lot more energy than was present in the match, which caused it to be ignited. So we are inside these bodies, and we have the energy to make it appear as though these bodies are alive. And so uh, the real cause of that is Super Soul, who is who is in, in charge of of 
taking care of all the functions of the body through his agents, the demigods. And he is also the one who awards us whatever reactions we have coming, whether they're so-called good reactions, which give us pleasure, or whether they're bad reactions, which give us pain. But in either case, good or bad reactions, those reactions are causing us to have to come back and take birth again and again in this material world. Now, this is all very basic information that we learned early, early on in our spiritual lives. Now, it it, it said that then... Uh, the spirit, the supreme soul who is present in the body helps the jiva whenever the spark of devotion ignites. Until that time, until the jiva begins to have some desire to know who is God and then eventually to get to the point of wanting to serve that personality whom we call God, whom we call Krishna, then... Uh, uh, then until that happens, until he turns his face toward Krishna, then all of the reactions that he's taking is coming automatically through the modes of, of Krishna's material energy. So we, we don't have a great deal of freedom as the jiva souls because once we decide that we want to come into this world and try to find pleasure separate from that supreme person, then Krishna is going to put us under the tight control of his material energy who is making all arrangements for us, giving us the type of body that we have, and then according to whatever we deserve, he's going to also give us either pleasure or pain that just comes automatically. This is happening automatically. And if it were not happening automatically, then maybe Krishna wouldn't be able to be out playing in Goloka Vrindavan. But he's got everything set up, and of course, he's, he's cognizant of everything that is going on in this material world with every single living entity. And, you know, that's, that's the, that seems to be the point, that those persons who call themselves atheists, they can't get past thinking that there is someone who is so powerful that he, with his own energy, he can create unlimited numbers of universes. He can enter the body of each living entity and and just be there as the witness to see what that what that living entity deserves and what that living entity wants and then he provides for it automatically through the agency of his material energy durga devi but uh he himself krishna uh swayam swayam what was it <laughs> krishna in his original form is in goloka vrindavan just having a big old time with his friends, and he has, you know, many, many different persons who associate with him. Of course, we know that in the other uh, planets within the spiritual world, the Vaikuntha planets, uh, Krishna appears in each one of those in a different form, and he's worshipped to different uh, different levels and uh, in different uh, uh, ways according to the form in which he's appeared. If he appears as Lord Nursingadev, then he accepts the worship of those who wanted to go to that place where, where Lord Nrsingadev was present, was carrying on his activities in Golokvindala. And then all the other Narayan forms are also present there in the spiritual world. And what it, whichever one a person is attracted to, once he becomes purified, he can actually go to that place in the spiritual world to continue his loving service to the Supreme Lord. 
So we're controlled here in this world by the mind and the false ego. And, you know, I had a hard time ever coming to an understanding of what that false ego meant. What does that mean? I know what ego means, but what does false ego mean? And so as, as Srila Prabhupada has explained it to us, that false ego means our identification with this material body and with our mind. So our identification with our senses and our mind. Uh, that's what the false ego is, 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 is providing for the jiva soul who comes into the world. Helps us to forget that we are actually spirit souls and causes us to think, that we are here and this is this body is who I am. These activities are my activities. These family members are my family members. So we, we feel that we're the possessors of all of these attributes and, and uh, qualities uh, and uh, possessions in this material world. So we receive inspiration from the mind for controlling the senses. Uh, but quite often the mind acts as nothing more than a facilitator of the senses. If our tongues want something nice to eat or something to drink, then the mind immediately starts searching in the closest place to fulfill that desire. If we want to do something else, the mind is also facilita- facilitating that activity. So we uh, once, uh, let, me, let me say it like this, we fail to receive help from the intelligence when the mind is so powerful and the intelligence is not. The intelligence is also another one of the coverings, one of the subtle coverings of the living entity when he comes into this world. We've got the gross material body, and then we've got the mind, and then we've got the intelligence, and then above intelligence then is the false ego. So using intelligence then, uh, we can... We can uh, Let's let's say, for the most part, the intelligence is used just to help the mind find a way to uh, help the senses enjoy. <coughs> so, uh, how is that, how does that happen then? The mind realizes that the the body needs a place uh, to sleep, needs food to eat, and these kinds of things. And so, the mind looks around and tries to make all provisions to satisfy those needs. But when it becomes very difficult, then the intelligence can kick in and start looking at different ways then to provide those features, those uh, those um, benefits that the body so much wants and which the mind's job it is to, to try to provide for the body. So then after a time, we get frustrated with the results that we get from acting on our desires. That's, isn't that true? That uh, throughout our lives, we're simply acting on the desires that come to us. And a lot of times, those desires come directly from the mind, and they stimulate different functions in the body, and, and it appears then that the body is demanding something, and then the mind sets about to satisfy whatever that urge is, whether it be sexual or whether it be uh, hunger or, or thirst, whatever it is, then the mind is responsible. And if there's difficulty, then the intelligence kicks on. But when we become frustrated, then uh, then we begin to search for information. And we begin to ask these these questions that we've talked about so many times in here. That is, where have I come from? Who am I? What am I supposed to be doing here? 
Uh, why am I getting old when sick? I don't want to die. Why is it that I have to die? What is my, what is my next destination after I depart from this body? And so those kinds of questions then require a strong intelligence to try to answer. And not only to answer, but then to implement when we get the answers. So the, uh, then we begin to observe the results of our uncontrolled minds, and sometimes we get really, really uh, uh, disgusted with it. Because it, when we're using our minds to bring ourselves pleasure... Uh, one of the things that we do is use other living beings to satisfy our desires, whether that be in the form of a person of the opposite sex or whether that be in the form of an animal whose flesh we wish, we wish to eat. Even, even the fruits and grains, they have living entities in them. So the desire is there is to satisfy the, the desire to eat, to desire the, the desires of the tongue and the belly. And so uh, we, then we, we have to eat the, eat the bodies of other creatures. So uh, we wonder then, uh, don't we get karmic reactions from taking the lives of those other living entities, even if it happens to be a seed or uh, some, some uh, type of grain that, we, that we're eating or some, other, some fruit? Even those fruits and vegetables and grains have living entities in those bodies. But we have to ask the question, well, what is my proper food stuff? And so Krishna has very kindly given us a rule book to go by, and how do we get in touch with those rules for living a proper life? We have to go to a person who knows what the rules are. In other words, a person who has association with the Supreme Lord. And so then uh, we, we, as, as a result of our being in this material world, wanting to enjoy things, we tend to uh, use other beings. We tend to exploit the resources of nature, use whatever, whatever means we have to, to enjoy. And we even design weapons made of this material energy, Lord, uh, which can destroy entire cities. It can destroy entire populations of a country if they're used improperly. And most weapons then are in the hands right now of persons who are rather volatile. And, and uh, so we, we're always in a state of, of, of some fear, realizing that uh, at any moment one of these persons can go off the deep end, as we say, and uh, somehow or other... Something takes over besides their good intelligence, and then we find ourselves in, with other people in, in a war, and it, it becomes makes life extremely difficult, extremely miserable. And there are countries around this world right now. I'm thinking of Yemen and also Syria, uh, who who and what to speak of Iraq and Afghanistan and those countries there that have some resources that industrialized nations are wanting to get at. And so what they can do is, using their military might, they can go in and replace the ruler of the country with, uh, with persons who were elected, persons who were chosen then uh, to, by, by the, you know, whoever the conquering power is. In some cases, the United States is, is a really big um, uh, propagator of war. And so it, it has so much of its 
national budget into the billions and even trillions of dollars dedicated to providing armaments so that we can be a more powerful military power than others. And all of this is coming about then simply by the fact that we want to use nature, we want to use other living entities to satisfy our desires. And we're talking about individual desires. Even though it might appear that a nation, the United States or Germany back in during, before World War II, they, they were, um, they seemed as a nation to have the desire for conquering other peoples and using their resources, whether it be manpower or natural resources from the earth, um, conquering that and using that for their own gain. And so back when uh, when the sailing ships began to make their, you know, they began to leave their home countries, primarily in Europe and England, and and then to go south and go around the southern tip of, of Africa, uh, first there was, uh, you know, the colonization of different countries in Africa. It, so these countries then looked into Africa and said, there's there's no government here. There's even though there's a supposedly a country, these these people are just tribal. They know they're they're living in their tribes and their villages, and there's nobody really running the government. So why don't we come in and show them a better way to live? And so then the European nations particularly uh, made it a point to go in and take over the government, the education, the religion, the resources of the countries that are located in, in not only in Africa, but then they went on around across the Indian Ocean to the country of the subcontinent of India. And we find that they, in particular in India, the British then established a rule that lasted for quite some time. Because India apparently did not have, at that time, did not have a a unified functioning government that could repel aggressors that would come in and try to take over their their country, their resources and such. So these are the results then of the uncontrolled mind of individuals acting collectively uh, as as we have now. So uh, these persons then have, um, have yielded to the demands of their minds and senses. And as a result, then we have national conflicts, international conflicts all over the world at the present time. And it's just the more powerful countries trying to go in and take some resource that the the, the country that has been conquered has and use it for their own industries, for their own uh, material enjoyment. The You know, the richer countries, the ones that are more powerful. So then... How is it then that we can we, we talk we said that our topic today was going to be overcoming the control of Krishna's material energy, and we understand that we have come under the control of Krishna's energy, his material energy, even though we the living the living entities the jiva, we're supposed to be part of Krishna's higher energy, his spiritual energy, and yet because of our, of our minute size and power, then we. Uh, we can easily be overcome by the influence, by the power of Krishna's material energy. And it doesn't take take much looking around. Volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, especially in our area of the country, tornadoes are, can, can run rampant across. Nothing can stop them. Nothing. 
And so this is just Krishna's material energy, Krishna's way of showing us, hey, Rupanuga, you think you're so powerful? You think you're so influential? You think you've got so much money? You think you've got so much influence, uh, political influence and otherwise? Uh, let me show you something. And he sends a little tornado through that, you know, can wipe out uh, a, mile, a mile wide swath of humanity in just a matter of seconds. And it, and it can travel on and just leave a path of destruction across uh, with, with much more force, we can say, than was present in the atomic bombs that, that hit uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan back in the mid-1940s. So it, it, uh, this is this is so we have a desire then to try to overcome the influence of mind and senses, seeing what it can do in the lives of other people, seeing how it can destroy the families, destroy a person's own consciousness, you know, and and uh, can even destroy a, a person's body. These are the things that that can happen as a result of paying attention to one's mind and senses and not having a fully developed intelligence which can control the mind. So we're being forced to act by the mind. And strengthening the intelligence to gain discrimination is what we need to do. We need to gain the discrimination that comes by using our intelligence to say, all right, Rupanuga, you think you want this new automobile over here. But think about it. Think with your intelligence. You're going to be in debt for the next six years, seven years. They used to have three-year three year contracts for buying an automobile. Now it's extended out. It's like 72 months, six years. So, Rupanuga, you think you really think you want that new automobile? How about, how about, uh, how about uh, 72 months of payments taking a substantial portion of your meager income? Uh, how does that sound to you? Does that sound pretty good, Rupanuga? You fool! <laughs> and so, so Krishna is always there as super soul, trying to guide us. He's trying to help us strengthen our intelligence. And and one, uh, one particular um, enlightening piece of information that came from uh, Burijan Prabhu, I believe, many years ago here in Dallas. He said the way to to strengthen your intelligence is by reading Srila Prabhupada's books. And we've also been reading recently that the reading of this book in particular, the Srimad Bhagavatam, is, is, is such that you can gain liberation, you can gain attraction to the Supreme Lord, you can gain liberation from this material world. You never have to come back and take just by reading this one book, the Bhagavatam. Now, I say one book, of course, it comes in many volumes. But this is the way that one's intelligence can be strengthened to the point that it will overcome the pushings of the mind and the senses. And until we get to that point of having that kind of strong intelligence that can direct us in the proper way to live our lives, uh, we're sunk, we're finished. We're going to come back again and again and again. Until finally we turn our heads toward that Supreme Lord who's sitting right beside us in this body. And we, and we say, oh, I, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> because many times, you know, and when, we're, when we're committing some sinful activity, we think, well, nobody's going to know. I'm alone. I can, I can smoke this. I can drink this. I can be with this person. Nobody's going to know about it. I'll get away with it. 
and I'll have a good time at least for a short period of time. So uh, the intelligence is there to to kick in and say, you're not going to enjoy for long, my friend, because there are other powers in control here. There are other beings who are watching every single move you make. And your your moves are not like Krishna's moves. Your moves are not designed to enlighten everyone else in the creation. Your moves are just to help Rupanuga enjoy for this particular moment in time. So you better think about it, Bob. That's what the intelligence is to say. So we conclude then that uh, the, part, the path of devotional service is the best. When we come to the recognition that we're not the only ones in this body, that the super soul is there, he's watching, he's observing everything we do, he's, he's facilitating all of our desires, and he's allowing us to get ourselves deeper and deeper into this material world if that's what we're hell-bent to do. So, super soul is very powerful, and we want to we want to be able to get on the path of devotion and stick with it. <coughs> so, um, this what what is it what does it help us to do when we get on the path of devotion? Not only does it make our own lives better, but it gives us the compassion and the desire to help other people make their lives better. Just like a person who finds more wealth than he he knows what to do with, and instead of uh, just instead of just taking that wealth and using it for one's own benefit, one's own pleasure, then uh, I, the the desire of the devotee is to try to give this wealth away to other people, but the other people are saying, "Ah, this gold, this stuff you call gold, it's nothing but a metal." It's worthless to me. I have no use for it. Just take it back. Other people who are aware of the value of this material energy of the Lord will will uh, want to want to use that energy themselves, not only for their own benefit, for the, but for the benefit of others. So, getting on the path of bhakti is the, really the only way that we can control uh, Krishna's material energy's influence on our lives. That's the only way we can do it. Because we, we found, we've already found during the early part of our lives before we met the representatives of Krishna, we already found that, that, uh, simply trying to make all arrangements for our own personal, physical, and mental happiness are futile. That they, they may come for a short period of time, but they're not going to stay with us. So we want to, uh, we want to overcome this control that Krishna's material energy has on us. And the only way we can do that, and we can't do it on our own effort, the only way we can overcome this control of Krishna's material energy is by appealing to the one who controls that material energy, and that is Krishna. So that's the reason, then, that um, that we're, we have dedicated a portion of our lives, uh, some of us more completely than others, to simply helping other people gain some knowledge, and with that knowledge, then, they can uh, and increase their intelligence, and they can make decisions that are well thought out and which bring about the kinds of results that will really make them happy. And that's what we want. We want everybody to be happy. Mm-hmm. Chant and be happy. Hare Krishna. That's it. If we have any... Any comments or any suggestions? If we have any questions...
We'll take a few moments. Otherwise, I'm going to say that I uh, thank you all very much for coming and being with us here in the Temple Room and those of you who are listening in by radio, telephone, or Internet. We thank you very much also for joining us here this morning, and we hope that this little little interlude in the day, in the early morning, will help to get your day started off much better and that you will somehow or other be able to remember the Supreme Personality of Godhead better. And because you all are devotees of the Lord, um, you're just like desire trees. You fulfill the desires of everyone. You're full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Therefore, we offer our humble obeisances. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, shishi ratha kalachandidam ki jai, gora premananda, hari hari bol.